0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Elisa. Today it is Wednesday, March 30th. Last episode of March. Here we go. We are into 2022. How fast is time flying? <laughs> All right. Today on the pod is Rachel Wright. Rachel. Oh my gosh. She's a friend. She's a psychotherapist and is recognized as one of the freshest voices on modern relationship and sex. I just love her. She has a master's degree in clinical psychology. She's worked with thousands of humans worldwide, helping them to scream less and screw more. (laughs) She's brought her message to stages across the globe. She's a sex and relationship coach for Shape Magazine and is the creator of the virtual workshop series, What You Wish You Learned at School, Sex Ed. So (laughs) on today's episode, we actually dive deeper than just the classic sex and sexual quote unquote norms of today's society. We definitely deep dive into those, but also how to break them, look past the limiting beliefs that discriminate and spread hate around humanity as well as in our interrelationships like how we relate to other humans how we relate to sex um and so on and so forth we chat about uh, the effects the pandemic has had on sex and relationships and rachel's very she actually compassionately challenges me on some of my personal deep seated subconscious beliefs that have been programmed into me in this life it's it's a Excellent, excellent dialogue back and forth. This is a very good, very juicy, very candid conversation that all humans would, would, I don't know, I want to say must listen to. Let's just put it there. (laughs) All right. So without further ado, here is my friend and guest, Rachel Wright. Rachel, I am so glad that we're finally doing this and that you're here. You're one of the coolest people I I think I haven't really met in person that I work with sort of off the cuff. You're so cool. I'm so glad that you're here.
1: That's so sweet. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here too. I feel like my 12-year-old self was just like, see, did you hear that? You're cool. <laughs> yeah. my 12 year old self is super grateful for this moment
0: <laughs> so you and I work indirectly together with yeah. his, with a company called Zoomio I work in their social media and you do so many neat back behind the scenes things with well they're not really behind the scenes you're kind of front and center. When it yeah, comes... behind the scenes and in front, it's a bit both. It's a bit both. Okay, yeah. Um, all around sexual health, wellness, and I mean, Zumio is a sex toy company, so people listening, you guys can fill in the, the blanks with what might be happening there. Um, but <laughs> I really love your approach, your inclusivity mindset, your... Ability to really tie sex and mental health together. The relationship, like the relationship between mind, body, sex, arousal, pleasure, pain, uh, sexual pressure, all of these things that every single human being, correct me if I'm wrong, ha- feels like is exposed to is, has, is a part of, cause that it, it sex is a part of humanity. Yeah. And it's, you know, I love
1: that kind of lead in because Mm -hmm. what's so interesting is like, whether you're allosexual or asexual. Allosexual yeah, is the that? term for someone who experiences sexual desire, right? And there's spe- there's a spectrum to allosexuality and there's mm-hmm. a spectrum to asexuality. So like on, on the spectrum of asexuality, there's someone who's like completely disgusted by sex on one end of the spectrum. Okay. And then maybe towards the other end, they're not super interested in what we would call like typical, in air quotes, sex. Yep. Um, but maybe they want like to mutually masturbate or, or do something like that. Uh, Mm. and our society is incredibly allosexist, right? We, we assume that every single person on this planet is a sexual being Mm. inherently, and that's not true. But what you said is true, Mm. which is we all interact with sex Mm -hmm. and have messages about sex and messages about relationships and messages about mental health, all the damn time and Mm -hmm. we don't learn about these things in school which baffles me like our mental health our sexual expression our sex life and our relationships are the core of so much of our being Mm -hmm. and yet we don't have a good education around it so I'm here to help with that (laughs)
0: yes and an excellent uh segue into sort of like this first I actually I want to go back because I've never heard of allosexual so can you just sort of describe that a little bit more because okay how I just understood that or how I related it to myself because that's what we kind of do right we hear things totally how does this involve me so like are you allosexual in maybe um are you inherently allosexual or is it something that could happen in maybe a shitty relationship or, um, I see. So
1: typically if you are allosexual or asexual, that is something that you are typically born with, Um, similar to a sexual orientation, right? Like, yes, there are factors that we grow up around, but you know, growing up around, queer people doesn't make you queer um and not growing up around queer people doesn't make you not queer um you know there are so many studies to show this and yet there are still those like super right-wing conservative people that are like no if someone grows up with two two gay parents like they're gonna become gay and it's like here's science to show that that's not true but cool keep thinking that like (laughs) so it's it it is more of an inherent thing and there are definitely some people that may confuse asexuality with like a response to sexual trauma as a young child so there could be folks out there who were born allosexual being the sexual natural being um sexually naturally being uh and Experience some form of molestation or abuse and have shut down the sexual part of themselves so deeply that then they start to identify and behave more like someone who is inherently asexual. Uh, um, yeah. And that person can possibly, you know, go to therapy like and and shift back to what they were born into the world as. Um, so of course our experiences affect these things, but generally speaking, whether you're allosexual, meaning you experience sexual desire and want, or you're asexual and you, and you don't, um, and again, these are both spectrums. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not binary like that, mm-hmm. um, is, is generally how you're born.
0: So Leading into the next question, because we off the air, we kind of talked a little bit about how the last two years has really um, affected people (laughs) in the bedroom, whether it's because I I really like your approach, too, because you talk about couple sex, solo sex, um, group sex, like all types of um, interactions or sexual desires or interactions. And I mean, personally, I am in a single, what do you call it? Monogam- I'm monogamous, n- monogamous relationship. Monogamous relationship. Um, and the last two years has been really interesting. If we want to just like use me as an example, I mean, I first and foremost am in a relationship with a person where I really absolutely can be myself I feel safe to be myself I feel like he sure you know might judge me here and there for things but he is so accepting and loving of who I am and it's and it's created a sexual dynamic like no other I have never been in a relationship like this and so our sex life, I mean, sure, it kind of ebbs and flows, like it thrives some months and it's kind of lulls others. Right. However, this the pandemic hasn't really affected per se, like in, in a dramatic way, how we relate to each other, because we've just really worked on creating a safe environment at home. However, I do know that that is not the case with Many, many people. I mean, I feel very blessed and fortunate. And there are definitely like if we like had a session together, we could like dig in and, and figure <laughs> out some of the like the. But just like as a blanket statement, I feel super blessed because of that. And however, if this had happened in like previous relationships, I don't know how I would get get through it. Like how how, how are we getting through this? Tell me. Oh, <laughs> Tell <Jesus>. me everything.
1: <laughs> uh, one step at a time. It's yeah. been a clusterfuck of a two years. You know, I was looking at the date today, and today's March 24th. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about what we were doing two years ago mm-hmm. this time. And we were all kind of still in this mindset of like, oh, if we stay inside for two weeks, it's going to be
0: okay. <laughs> yep. And I'm
1: like, oh, poor little babies had no idea. What the next two years have in store. And, you know, I I think that the pandemic has affected everybody really differently. Mm -hmm. And if we look at kind of the three areas that I work in the most mental health, relationships, and sex from a mental health perspective, this pandemic has affected every individual completely differently. Mm -hmm. There are people who finally had the time and space to start therapy. Or working Ooh, yes. on something that mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic they weren't making time for or prioritizing, and then there are some folks on the other side of the coin who developed anxiety and developed agoraphobia, like fear of leaving the house, developed severe depression. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of all over the spectrum in terms of how it has affected our mental health. You know, we we have had. Family members who have been sick. We may have experienced deaths. Um, so many of us haven't been able to see our family or close friends for so long, and yeah. all of that has effects on our mental health. Um, whether that is acute or or more, you know, macro. Um, and then in terms of our relationships, you know, <laughs> none of us got into relationships and said, "I want to be around this person or these people." 24 seven, all the time, <laughs> doing everything. I want to work around them. I want to eat around them. I want to cook around them. I want to pee around them, like literally not being able to leave. And for, you know, those of us who are in bigger cities, like I was in Brooklyn when the pandemic hit. And so being in an apartment oh is a God. very different experience than, you know, those folks who were in suburbia, um, when this hit, like everyone had a really different experience. And again, just like with mental health for some relationships, this pandemic helped strengthen what was Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And because of all the work that had been done prior to COVID hitting, it was like, Oh, cool. We got this. And it actually like, Lifted up a lot of relationships.
0: That resonates with me. It lifted us up for sure.
1: Yeah. And And for other people, they were like, oh no, mm -hmm. I have to now face the things that I was avoiding by staying out, by making other plans outside the house. Um, And of course, this is also on a spectrum, right? We have people who just realize, like, they don't really like to spend that much time around their partner. Yeah. And then there were people who, in a very like dangerous situation, got stuck at home with an abuser mm-hmm. um, and couldn't leave. And that was a whole crisis that was going on. It's like, what is someone to do when we're being told not to leave and home is actually not safe? Mm-hmm. So it really has been all over the spectrum. And then in terms of sex life, right, mm-hmm. you have our own personal sex drive, which depending on how it affected your rental health, probably then and relationship rippled over into sex drive and libido. And for some people, they were like, I'm home all the time. I'm going to masturbate more. I'm going to buy more sex toys. Mm-hmm. I'm like hornier all the time. My partner and I can have sex every day. Yeah. And then for other people, the stress and the fear and the, trauma of what was going on completely took over and it was like libido what like yes just turned off and so really like there's no quote unquote normal response to yeah. something like this yeah. it just we all respond differently based on so many different factors um but regardless of how it was affected all three of those areas i can almost guarantee were affected for Almost every person.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So let's go. I I know that there's a spectrum here. So sex is just such um, an interesting word, and I know a lot of people feel shame talking about it. They feel um, like shame is an interesting word too, because it's it's almost like there's like embarrassment, and then there's like total shutdown. Like. R- maybe religious like hard nose like this is cannot we can that which cannot be spoken about um and because I do see sex as a form of self-love and of self-care and I do masturbate in partnership like and, and and Michael does it too. Like, I'm sorry, Michael, I'm talking behind your back and I promise that I wouldn't. But I know that like sometimes when I leave the house, he's like, woohoo, party time. And he like does his thing and I do the same. When So, however. Which is
1: super healthy, by the way. When I work with couples, especially monogamous heterosexual couples, there is this idea that the other person needs to be the only thing or person that fulfills every sexual need.
0: Where does that belief come from? Like, why do we think that way? Because that is the way I thought forever. And I would get jealous of my partner and I would feel, so I kind of want to like put my relationship with Michael aside because it's, it is, uh, I would say we did a lot of personal growth outside of our relationship. And then when we met, we met at like a really interesting time. So, however, That whole story of like, you can't look at other girls, you can't look at pornography, you can't arouse yourself with like, I don't know, a banana if you want to, like, what is... It's
1: insane. Yes. It's absolutely insane. And it's such an unrealistic expectation that will create so much negative self-talk. It will create Mm -hmm. tenseness between people. Yes. It creates unrealistic expectations we, so where does it come from? It comes from a bunch of things, but there are things that have become our societal norms. So we don't talk about sex. So therefore nobody actually sits down and understands what other people (laughs) think, right? (laughs) Like if we don't talk about uh, fantasies or masturbation or porn consumption, how are we supposed to know what is quote unquote normal or typical Mm -hmm. or, you know? have an idea of what we want if we don't allow ourselves to explore um we watch movies like Cinderella and mm-hmm. Snow White growing up and there is this inherent idea that this one person is the person for you and so therefore they must meet all of your needs yes and Same that is me. absolutely mm-hmm. fucking ridiculous mm-hmm. um you know so many people that I come in contact with get jealous of their partner's masturbation time.
0: hmm mm-hmm. And that... So what is that?
1: That's a fear of losing control of your partner.
0: Okay. Or abandonment and, or whatever. Like, does it... Yeah. Does that tie into yeah. that? And, and the, like... Yeah. The
1: reality is, is that we don't own any part of our partner.
0: hmm
1: We don't get to dictate how our partner shares themselves with the world. We don't get to dictate how they spend their time, what they do, their sexuality, Mm -hmm. they are sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. That is the healthy way to be in relationship is you are a full individual sharing yourself with another individual or more than one individual. And when we're looking at it from that perspective, it's like, oh, what a gift. My partner wants to be intimate with me right now. They're sharing that part of themselves with me when we look at it through the their genitals belong to me now then when they take time to touch their own genitals it feels like they're betraying us Mm -hmm. but their genitals and their sexuality do not belong to their partner they belong to themselves if they belong to their partner that becomes a very unhealthy dynamic and so Mm -hmm. that understanding of like Individual sharing with someone else is incredibly important.
0: Is it sort of a little bit like a sexual manipulation to to do that?
1: Um, I think manipulation is a strong word just because I don't think for most people it's intentional. Ah. I think that for most people it's compulsive based on how we're socialized. You know, we grow up in a very mononormative culture, meaning that monogamy is literally the only thing shown to us, um, which is just false. Like, non-monogamy predates monogamy. Monogamy is a is a construct that was brought in by white colonizers who were Christian.
0: Like, Interesting.
1: Non-monogamy was here long before monogamy was. And so both ways of being in relationship are totally valid and healthy Mm -hmm. and it's really only healthy when we're choosing it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. When we can say, I understand what non-monogamy is and I am more monogamous or I identify as being monogamous or I want to be monogamous or the other way around. Right. I understand what monogamy is and I identify as non-monogamous and I want to practice this. Um,
0: Okay, idea, okay 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 yeah. I need to just okay so a million questions are coming into my mind right now like as a as a mindset perspective like as it's really interesting to observe my reactions or my like solicited responses like because even so I I'm I I identify with some as somebody who is very inclusive that being said there's still those really deep subconscious narratives. So, yes. I mean, off air, you said one of my partners brought me breakfast and in my brain, I was like, partners, what is she? what like? And then I was like, oh, yeah, she's in she's probably in a relationship with more than one person. But like immediately that like pull of like, What? <laughs> yes. do you know what I mean yes. by that okay I'm, yes. I don't know if I'm and, explaining and they, myself but
1: no you're totally and and what you're experiencing makes perfect sense because again like we so the norm in our culture especially mm-hmm. here in the states and Canada right yeah. like yep. North America is cisgender heterosexual monogamous
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is what our norm.
0: Cisgender, is. what does that mean is, again?
1: Cisgender means that you identify and, and feel in your body the same gender as the, the gender that you were assigned at birth. Okay. So for example, when I was born, I was assigned female at birth and I identify as a woman. So I'm cisgender. Got it. Anyone who is non-binary or trans, that is what trans means is that you are not the same. you're not the gender that you were assigned at birth. Got you're just it. not. And so you're doing things to potentially change that or simply just saying like, I know I was assigned male at birth, but I'm not. I'm a woman or mm-hmm. you know, vice versa, um, or I'm non-binary. So our norm is cisgender, heterosexual, monogamous. And anytime something falls outside of that, because we are in such a puritanical, religion driven place mm-hmm. our brains are like huh mm-hmm. what and we've gotten better at this kind of like what you're saying under the lgbtq umbrella right it's taken a while and it's definitely mm-hmm. not done
0: definitely um, there, not done
1: there's violence against trans people went up last year like we are not out of the woods <sighs> yeah. right now at all um there are still people trying to make adoption with two parents of the same gender illegal like it's it's absolutely outrageous what's going on so Mm -hmm. that is still being you know a lot of people are like oh but we're so inclusive now and I'm like yes (laughs) some people for sure it's gotten better yes and like we are nowhere near being kumbaya with everyone and and their identity. And we are even more behind that in terms of non-monogamy. It is just, I think in 50 years, it will become as quote unquote normal as someone saying I'm gay, I'm pan, I'm bi, you know, it's like, I'm non-monogamous, I'm monogamous. Like, yeah. it's just a part of who we are. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and watching Sister Wives doesn't mean that you accept non-monogamous relationships, you know, like <laughs> watching shows- also, like
1: also that's like that is a horrible example of what healthy non-monogamy is so right. like there are no not no there are very minimal examples of what there are very minimal examples of what a healthy monogamous relationship looks like in our media i concur there are like zero healthy non-monogamous relationship media things yeah um So it's impossible. Like, how can you conceptualize something that you literally don't know how to conceptualize it, Uh, which is why I share so much of my life on social media. Yeah, I love it. Let's normalize this. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I have three primary partners. I live with three people. I am in three romantic and sexual relationships, and all of us can date outside of the four of us. So it is a setup that is not for everybody. It is wonderful for the four of us. And, you know, there are things that come along with that, that make it a little harder. And there are things that come along with that, that make it easier. You know, Mm -hmm. if one person's sick, there's three other people to take care of you. You know, (laughs) you're not relying on one other person. When I was going through my, my ketamine treatments for depression, they literally alternated taking me to the clinic. If I Mm -hmm. had had one partner, it would have been the same person going every other day for Mm -hmm. 12 days. Mm -hmm. And instead it was, they got to all alternate. So like nobody had to take off of work. Like there Mm -hmm. are many benefits (laughs) that are not just logistical, Uh, but yeah, it's not our quote unquote norm. And so most folks have the exact reaction you did, which is like, wait, that's outside of this normal, like normality. That we subconsciously have and again another thing that goes into that same quote-unquote norm bubble is being allosexual right right? like we were talking about at the beginning so it's assumed that people are straight slash heterosexual until otherwise said that they're cisgender until otherwise said that they're monogamous until otherwise said and that they're allosexual until otherwise said that means that one human being may come out four different times just Ugh. to say, this is who I
0: am. This is who I am, mm-hmm. and feel safe to say that, which is a yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. It's right. Like how it's, it's, insane yeah. is that? It's the conditioned mind is is is, is incredibly powerful, and that was like yeah. the little when you said that, and I had that pull, that like little trigger. I was like, holy shit, my conditioned mind is still showing me that I still have something deep in there that's like it was it didn't just glaze over. I was I was pulled into that. So I think that there's something to be said for for when those when when you hear something or see something and you're triggered by it, it's okay to be triggered by it. It's okay to, but also to learn from that trigger and be like, Oh, that is how I actually think because, because the way I probably unconsciously behave or relate to people is still reflecting that deep buried bullshit. (laughs) You got it. Right. You got it.
1: Yeah. And the key is to not judge yourself for that Mm -hmm. response right? Like have Mm -hmm. some compassion for that response. Like, Mm -hmm. well, yeah. Okay. I grew up being told this. So it makes sense why I'm having this response. Yes. What can I learn and how do I actually want to respond to that? What do I actually think as Mm -hmm. a 30 something year old adult or whatever, 20, 40, 50, how do I actually think about this? What do I want to learn about this? What don't I know where, where can mm-hmm. I grow? And where then all of a sudden something becomes normalized that once was not, and you just don't respond that way anymore. And one of the, you know, one of the ways I encourage people to do that is on Instagram or TikTok or whatever social media platform you love, follow people that are not like you.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really so, important.
1: Like really intentionally seek out people that are not like you, that don't look like you, that don't identify the way you do, that don't live where you live. Like mm. seek those people out and follow those accounts too, mm-hmm. so that you're not in a constant reflective echo chamber of like the same human. Like if you're a white cisgender female who's heterosexual, maybe don't follow just other white cisgender heterosexual females.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Look for like a black queer trans femme human, like (laughs) really look for, Mm -hmm. for, for people who are not, if you're really thin, look for fat models, Mm -hmm. look for fat influencers who are trying to get rid of fat phobia. Look for trans people who are fighting against transphobia every day online. Like, you can do so much for your brain just by exposing yourself to these images and videos and and learning.
0: Yes. So, so an interesting thing that just came up for me is like, so I I have a social media business and one of the, one of my clients is a, a lounge that is hosting drag shows every two weeks. So, and, and the drag shows are phenomenal, regardless of whether you, um, this, this sounds This sounds like I'm being prejudiced when I say this, but I'm and my intention is just is like has compassion, regardless of whether you agree with drag or not. The shows are phenomenal. It's like it's like regardless if you like Madonna or not, her performances are fantastic. Like you'll probably get into it when you're there. Do you know so what I'm saying by that? Can I
1: challenge this for a second? Please do. What is there to agree with, with drag?
0: So an old con, like an old belief. So people that are triggered by a drag person, um, or someone who, um, yeah, cause That's we, we drag. performs drag. If you're triggered by that, what I'm saying is like, if you're there, you will have fun. Even if you're triggered totally, by totally. That.
1: Totally. That's what I, I mean. want to push back on what there is to be triggered about yes. by performance. Because there's nothing different. So a uh, uh, a man who is performing drag isn't necessarily gay. Seeing a drag show is the same thing as going to a musical, right? Conceptually. Mm-hmm. It's a human being putting on a costume and performing for you. So like if there's a trigger around that, then I would push back. A little and ask like what is that trigger like what well, the what tri- is the belief underneath that
0: absolutely and the trick like I, I I can't really answer that because I'm not I right. I don't have that same trigger but that's the thing like these the shows okay I guess the, the to end we'll come back we'll circle back but to end my point is we I've been getting people saying things like what so you're a drag bar now what is this, a drag bar? And like, so it's almost like a condescending like label because we are hosting drag shows. So like, it's a hard thing for... It's a hard thing to navigate because people, there's so many people with those deep-seated beliefs that drag means something bad. And it's it's difficult to navigate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's... <sighs> I don't have much patience for hatred, bigotry, or judgment. Mm -hmm. So like if somebody is going to show up in my DMs with like, you know, you're living a life of sin (laughs) or like, uh, you know, drag is X, like what, whatever the belief is, Mm -hmm. I don't have the uh, chosen to not take the energy to try to convince a hateful person to not be hateful because at the end of the day if they're going to be judgmental, they're going to be judgmental. They have to want to not be judgmental in order to hear my response to their question.
0: Okay, but and, can I can I just ask yeah. that Okay, so the layer there that I would love your opinion on is yeah. most people who are judging others for their sexual orientation or how they present themselves don't think they're judging. They can't see the judgment because they believe that they're right. Right. Or am I wrong? Like, how do we I
1: disagree? Okay. I I think that most people know that they're judging because they they wouldn't be taking the time to communicate their judgment if they didn't think that they were judging more of the people that I have dealt with and that I have had and seen my trans friends deal with are people who know that they are, that they hate.
0: They're intentionally attacking. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It is an
1: intentional attack to try to elicit a response Mm -hmm. and it's not out of ignorance Okay. because ignorant comments sound very different. Okay. Ignorant comments are ignorant and Mm -hmm. that's a different (laughs) beast, right? Like in the Mm -hmm. same way that, um, you can, racism is a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. And you can say something that is racist without being a hateful person. Mm -hmm. You can still cause harm and say something that would fall under the umbrella of racism and need to right that wrong. Yep. And not Mm -hmm. be a Nazi, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? But if you're a Nazi, you know what you're doing. Like, you know what, if you're a member of the KKK, you know what you're becoming a member of and
0: I see what you're saying in that same way Mm -hmm.
1: when people comment or attack or or um just go in on on the hate war fire it is such a different feeling than someone who is like wait I don't understand how can one person have more than one partner like I don't get it. Or right. I don't understand. How can you be born with a penis and then say you're a woman? Like I don't get it. Those comments come from a place of really not understanding. And whether or not they're interested in getting it is kind of up to them and, and up to you to decide if you want to like spend that emotional labor and energy doing that piece of education. But that's really different than I've already made up my mind that you're X because of this. And those two things feel very different to receive. Um, right. They're, they're just so different. So, mm-hmm. so, so different.
0: I hear you. I I hear you. I want to sort of like tie this in somehow to go. I want to tie this in because let's, let's say, You're a person who, whether you've come out of the closet or not, or come out, do we say the closet? I don't even know anymore because that's kind of... Just come out. Just come out. Mm -hmm. So whether you've come out or not, if you know who you are, if you know what you like, if you, in the secrets of your mind, like could have exactly what you want, you would know that. So whatever that looks like, how in today's society can we step into that and, and I guess this is a really, a really big question <laughs> or it can be as big or as little but like how can we accept who we are in today's society and because I really feel as though accepting who we are is a big part of accepting who others are
1: absolutely, absolutely. and I think that there are a lot of people who accept who they are as a person who judges and hates other people.
0: Okay. You know what? That just blew up in my mind. Okay. Continue with that. Yes.
1: Like, especially since around 2016, um, there has been permission given for people to be hateful.
0: Why, why 2016?
1: Um, That's when Trump came around.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, So it really became like, oh, well, this leader can say these things. And if this leader can say, oh, I grab women by the pussy, then I can say that. And I can do that. And, oh, yeah, I'm going to demean women, too. And, oh, he also says this about gay people. Cool. I can say this about gay people. And all of a sudden, we started seeing this, like, surge of of hate and hate crimes and name calling and things that like Normal. were being done kind of more privately were all of a sudden very public and I, I think that a person who really wants to not be hateful and someone who really wants to not be judgmental i completely agree with you that accepting themselves is one of the first steps in doing that Mm -hmm. because we can't, it's really hard to accept other people when we don't accept us. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times though, there are parts that we're scared to accept because we're judging those parts. And so Mm -hmm. that's, what's really interesting, right? It's like the person who is super religious and has been told that any any sex outside of marriage is a sin and horrible, but let's say that person has had urges to have sex outside of marriage because you know, they're human if, and, and they're sounds like in this example, they're allosexual. So they've had these urges. That person is probably more quick to judge someone that they see doing that because they're jealous on some level
0: mm. that that other
1: person is getting to act on their urges.
0: It's like a mirror. And so
1: it, Exactly. They're like, wait, I wanted to do that, but no, I didn't. I didn't. So Mm. now I'm going to be pissed that this other person is doing that. Like, do you know you're going to hell? Do you know that this is a sin? Mm -hmm. And that other person is like, whoa, no, like I'm good. I've, I've done this work and like, I've accepted who I am and what I'm doing and, and what's going on. Like you sound like you have not though. Right. Because if that person really felt clear and good about their decisions, it doesn't really matter what anybody else is doing.
0: I guess that just blew up in my brain, too, as like all judgment stems from that which we hold in ourselves. Like any time we're judging anything really is is that exact thing that is very profound that's very I'm profound. I'm glad it could blow up your brain a little I, bit. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, like it's, this, it's, to, it's
1: the same thing if like we see somebody exhibiting a behavior that like we have not given ourselves permission to exhibit. We'll often judge or dislike that behavior because we don't like it either in ourselves or we haven't given ourselves permission to do that. Or we, you know, we were told a long time ago that it wasn't okay and just believed it. And so now seeing it in someone else brings up this frustration of like, wait, I was told that this is not an okay way to exist. Mm-hmm. And I never questioned that. And that moment can be very frustrating, both unconsciously and consciously. Like there's so many levels to it.
0: So what's the difference between like a belief, a deep seated conditioned way of life and boundaries, like setting boundaries that are appropriate for your belief? Because like in 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 many ways. Um, when you're sort of breaking the construct of your belief system, there's like a lot of confusion and scariness and you feel sort of unsafe with who you are on many levels. But when it comes to sexual partners, like if I believe something, but my partner wants to do something else, like how, where's the middle ground there? Like, how do you set up healthy boundary or is it all just communication? Like, I don't know. Do you, do you? So yeah, yeah,
1: the part of the way to do that is to understand where your beliefs came from and to ask Mm -hmm. yourself if you actually believe them right our beliefs change constantly throughout our lives we believed most of us believed in the tooth fairy and some Mm -hmm. of us believed in santa like you know our beliefs change like now we don't believe in the tooth fairy (laughs) we don't believe in santa and it could be that you grew up believing that anal sex was a sin and horrible and then you hit a certain age and you're like why why would that be? And then you start to believe that it's not yep. because of new evidence. So our boundaries that we decide for ourselves, and again, like just to reiterate this, boundaries are about us, not about other people's behavior. Boundaries are about what well, we What's are okay willing to tolerate yeah. and do. Um, it's not about controlling somebody else. Got it. Um, so when we're clear on our beliefs and where they come from, and if we actually believe them, then it becomes very easy to set a boundary. So for example, if I believe that it is appropriate for my work day to end at 4 p.m., let's say, and that is something that I truly deeply believe, it's pretty easy then to set a boundary of like, I don't answer emails or pick up phone calls after 4. Mm-hmm. Because I, I decided that for myself. And like, it feels good in my body. I feel good about it. So it doesn't feel uncomfortable to say, actually, I don't pick up my phone or respond to texts or emails after 4 p.m. Now, if someone told me, Rachel, the way that you should do business is to not accept calls after 4 p.m. But deep within me, I was like, why? I don't get it. Like, I don't care if I respond to text after 4 I don't really give a shit. And then I'm trying to set a boundary of don't text me after four. It's going to come across like very odd because I don't really believe it. I don't really know where it's coming from. And it's not really coming from me. It's coming from somebody else who told me a should or a supposed to. Mm. And it just takes that extra step of, do I believe this? Do I want this? And then if the answer is yes and yes, then it's much easier to set a boundary because mm-hmm. you're confident in what you're saying and you believe it to be true.
0: So let's link this list, list to sex, just a, ra- a random sexual example. If I, um, If my partner wants to explore anal sex, for example, and that's something I do not want to do. And I'm saying it's a hard no. And he or she is like really into it and really wants to. Like, how does how do you navigate those types of, of differences in beliefs or sexual exploration within a partnership?
1: Have open communication about it. So asking your partner and having your partner ask you questions like, what is it about this that you are interested in? Why do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you not want to do it? What is it about this that feels icky for you? Or because a lot of times we don't really understand why we're saying yes or no. And sitting down and saying, well, I don't want to do it because, and then all of a sudden what comes out of people's mouth sometimes is like, "Uh, actually, I don't know. I guess I've just never thought about it so I don't want to like it's literally sometimes there's nothing there but someone one time said this is painful or Mm. this is bad or um this isn't what a proper woman does right like whatever was said that we picked up on and like nuggeted into our brain when we actually sit down to be like this is what this is why we can't figure out why we're actually not wanting to do it because we never decided it. We just heard something somewhere and it got like stuck in there. We just
0: attached meaning to it. Yes. Okay. So, so let me further that because I guess, um, in my past I have been told by partners that I, that they want certain things and from, from a sort of, be a good girl and a good wife. I agreed to do things that I did not want to do and it created huge resentment and even if we talked about it, it just didn't feel good for me, but it was like I was put in a really shitty position. So can so you speak to that, what's a hard
1: about that is that our brains have not evolved past the point of something that is new feeling uncomfortable. And that discomfort equaling bad or I don't want this. And so what we end up doing is um, conflating a new experience with a bad experience. Or reading that as our intuition saying no. When really what it is is that we're having a new conversation and that is uncomfortable. Yeah, And that what we're feeling is the discomfort of something new. So... Never do anything that you don't want to do. And I would encourage everyone to sit down and challenge themselves as to why you don't want to do that thing or why you want to do that thing mm, mm-hmm. and ask yourself where that came from. Mm-hmm. Like, That's good. Really, really, really sit down and think about it because I'm telling you, if you feel clear on your why, it, setting a boundary is so, so, so much easier Than trying to set a boundary from something someone else told you that you should be doing or shouldn't be doing.
0: Even sitting in the discomfort of saying yes to something that you don't want to do, because that's uncomfortable, and asking yourself, why did I say yes? Why did I put myself in that position? What part of me am I willing to abandon to please someone else? And like that, so it goes both ways, too.
1: Exactly, exactly. And this is both sex and not sex right? Like we -hmm. say yes to things all the time. Like I didn't want to do that. Why did I say yes to that? And we got to then take a step back and say, okay, why did I say yes? Just like you're saying, like what happened in that moment that I couldn't take a step back and say like, I'm going to need to check my calendar or just simply no. Yes. What was it about that moment that, we couldn't do that. And then on the flip side, like, why am I saying no? Why don't I want to do that? And, and really getting to the core of why we are deciding to do and not do those things.
0: Oh, OK, I literally have got through like three of the 20,000 things that I <laughs> wanted to talk to you about. But time is of the essence. Time is up and I'll have to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for this. These are conversations that I've never had in the podcast. And I'm so I feel so grateful that you're here to, to talk about it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I really, really appreciate the dialogue and the back and forth. And mm-hmm. if anybody has questions, you can slide into my DMs. I'm, I'm happy to, to communicate.
0: I'm going to put all the links to all of your amazing things in your blog and your website and everything in the show notes. Thank you so Thank much. You. Bye. <laughs> Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give the show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to alisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.